0: Hello oh, and welcome along to Wilson and Windsor's Libertadores podcast, one of the very, very few podcasts in existence that comprehensively covers the Copa Libertadores in English, and uh, and we do so with great delights every single match week. And this week, of course, was no different because myself and Mister Oliver Wilson we reflected back on two really intriguing semi-finals to set up a Palmeiras-Santos. Final, my goodness, Ollie, we discussed VAR, Gachado, Boca, the future of football. Uh, yeah, and, and, and plenty more besides. Uh, really enjoyable, mate, and, and we've teed up the final.
1: Semi final second legs that were blood, sweat, tears, and tarot cards. What more do you <laughs> want from South American football at this point?
0: <laughs> Very good, yeah. Um, l- listen, I can't do better than that. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, enjoy the pod. <laughs>
2: Mechanics have to go!
0: It took an inflection, but you can't take it away from the debutant late drama again. Doom inside the area and right the ball home. It's a statement performance from Palmeiras. Apila takes it down, takes the strike oh! on.
1: Guerrero. can he do it again later on? He finishes. it. internationale are going to the quarterfinals of the Club of All-Liftadores. Should we start chronologically, Mr Wilson? That seems to be the favoured mode of operandi here. So, yeah. Very good place so, to start. Uh...
0: Before we get into the nitty-gritty, ollie of Palmeiras nil River Plate 2, I was just thinking about When a football coach loses a big match and yet they still get loads of praise, it is such a demonstration of the quality of that coach. And it happens, it has happened a few times now since I've started watching the Copa Libertadores with Marcelo Garciado. And when he loses a big match, there is enough in that game that he gets so much credit across the board, and rightly so, and it's not just the fact that they pushed Palmeiras really close in the second leg of the semi-final and nearly created the perfect comeback. It's also last year in the final against Flamengo, where Gashada managed to very, very nearly managed to neutralise a far superior side and the richest club in South American football, Flamengo. So I always think it's a great marker of a coach when they ultimately lose, but still get complimented across the board and As ever, that's the case with Marcelo Gachado. Although, ultimately, River Plate out and Palmeiras through to the final.
1: Yeah, there's something to discuss about Marcelo Gachado in that he was so spot on in this second leg. But he was so wrong in the first. With the change that he made to the system for this Mm -hmm. second leg, to go back to three at the back, five in midfield, Nico Cruz and Montiel in that perfect twosome on the right flank and then the two up front of Suarez and Boré. Again, working into those channels really nicely just on the side of the 18-yard box on both flanks. The question you have to ask is then why did he go for the really tight, narrow style of play with the 4-4-2 diamond in the first leg and all of the praise that you heap on Gachado for getting it right in this second leg. Does that not increase the finger of blame pointed at him for the mistakes made with his team and lineup in the first leg?
0: Clearly, Gachado's not immune from criticism, Oli. But I would say in that first leg, River dominated for large passages. They had loads of chances. Yes, Palmeiras were clinical, took their opportunities well. I think Gachado was also really let down by Jorge Carascao's sending off in that first leg and that third goal for Palmeiras, which... We said last week that it might just be the goal that proves to, to sort of take the tie slightly beyond River certainly proved to be the case. Yes, I was confused and surprised at the formation that Gachado opted to go within that first leg. And if he could have his time again, then I think he would alter that. But I don't think the first leg by any stretch, the scoreline's ugly for River, but I don't think by any stretch it was it was a poor performance by River Plate. I think they dominated the majority of both legs, really. I... Also, just one thing, only going off a slightly different tangent. How about the visual of the trust and the belief that Gachado has in his players and his players have in him? You know, when they scored that first goal... I just said you, the the camera cuts to like shadow and there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he believes that River can do it. And it was it's it's not exactly the same, but uh, when Gerard scores against AC Milan in 2005, right? And he uh, there's a role, You can obviously there's a podcast. You can't see the roll of the eye. You can hear the chuckle though from Mister Wilson because he's got his, I'm wearing a Milan he's wearing his AC Milan jumper. Yeah, shirt jumper. But that moment where Gerard collects the ball and and the comms is great at the time, and you know. Um, here we go, here we go, you never know and it just had that real sense and that, that kind of trust and when Borre scores uh, River's second goal and he kind of looks across to Gachado and there's that, everyone's so pumped up just massive trust and belief as a unit and I think that can only come really from from uh, from football clubs working cohesively in unison for a long period of time and that, that's been the case for six years under Marcelo Gachado so there was lots of hope but uh, yeah, they, 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 they couldn't do it in the end, couldn't find the third goal controversially you might say we can get into that
1: well before we dive into the game can we just go back to last week sure because we're covering a little bit of what we said last week so yeah let's just have <laughs> a listen to exactly what was said last week
0: no, no sane human could predict river plate will reach the final
1: i think river i think river go like two nil up and then we get excited and it's just they overstretch themselves that's the, that's the dangerous thing about palmeras so if if there's space in behind. There's always a that chance third for a
0: goal. You know, 2-0, I think you think, well, there's no fans in the ground. Like, <laughs> little trip down memory lane, Mr Wilson. And not for the first time, and certainly not for the last time, uh, Oliver. You you were absolutely correct. We did get excited. We've, we've had the two goals, but the third goal was just too much.
1: Yeah, it's um. but it's interesting that even going into that, when you said no sane person, would ever bet on River making it to the final. There was a huge part of me that wanted to be like, but you wouldn't completely count it out because of the relationship that Gachado has with this team, because of the team, how it knows how to play together. And because they are, much like Palmeiras, one of the best attacking sides in this competition. If there was any other side in this competition that could go and win 3-0 away from home outside of Palmeiras, it would be River. And you wouldn't bet against the miracles that Gachado has performed. And so for everything about being the, you know, boxer that's had one too many hits to the head and one last fight going for the big ride, you know, they almost landed the knockout blow. And it was, it was an incredible sure. performance from River. They were exceptional. I thought were. away Could from I a, home. Can have a
0: little mini rant about VAR, really? You can. I'm a neutral in this. I mean, I've got an, an affinity for River, but really it didn't bother me who goes through, right? I'm a complete neutral. And I always, with VAR, and I'm, I'm talking specifically about the quote, quote, third goal that River scored, uh, where Borre was, was adjusted to be offside and Montiel puts the ball in the back of the net. I think maybe I fell in love with football and I'm in love with football for different reasons than other people. Because when Montiel scores, the raw emotion of those few seconds after the goal is why I love the game and the fact that VAR kills that dead whatever you think about it it it, it kills in my opinion the best bit of football so I, I always in those kind of situations think okay you know VAR's part of the game now it's like you know it's a similar debate to are oh, iPhones good for our lives or not well it, it almost doesn't matter because iPhones are here now <laughs> deal with it get the best you can from it and and, and ho- hope that too much time on your iPhone screen isn't detrimental but yeah M- montiel scores and Gachado and everyone on the substitutes bench goes nuts and i just think that's 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 why i fell in love with the game and for me, VAR creates this net deficit overall, but that that's a, a bit of a sidebar. Ollie. Ultimately, it was it was offside, and, and they didn't they didn't get the third goal. It's just a shame sometimes.
1: Well, for this, I'm I'm not a fan of uh, VAR. VAR, whatever whichever mm. one we're doing. Um, I call it
0: VAR in- because it's more of a mouthful and it's more complicated and I think that's what it is. Like VAR <laughs> makes it sound like it's a really simple thing. Oh yeah, it's just it's VAR. Just like VAR yeah. Decisions make- get made really quickly. There's no controversy. Let's move on. But I call it VAR because it's a bit of a process.
1: Well, this was the thing. This is the problem I had with it from this game. You know, I- I'm not a fan of it. If it's going to be imp- implemented, I think, you know, you have to get decisions right and the offside decision is correct in that sense. The And I'm not having a go at the referees or the VAR officials in this moment here. But for the controversial Alan Emperor challenge on Matias Suarez where he goes down and River a 2-0 up and he goes down inside the box and they initially rule a penalty and then the officials are looking over that for so long, minutes after minute of is there contact, when is he going down and it's still not clear on every slow motion replay and at that point VAR is nullified because if you can't really tell and you have to look at it that many times, then surely you just have to go with the decision on the field. And if the referee's looking at it that much, it all comes down to his own interpretation. Which is what we were doing anyway before we used the technology. (laughs) It's that was the initial decision was down to his interpretation. It's just he's had a slightly different interpretation now. But it's not clear cut. So you how you flip that over to suddenly not being a penalty for River in that moment, late on, to get the third goal, went down to 10 men. I mean, Matias Suarez is, uh, uh, not Matias Suarez, Jesus, I've lost my train of thought. Uh, Montiel's finish is Mm. a wonderful moment. Mm. But then, can you imagine what the roar is? I mean, we saw what it was like for the River players when they get the penalty. You know, it's that same elation of... (gasps) We are yeah. in this still even after we've had a goal disallowed. We are still in this down to 10 men and and then it gets killed off. And I can completely understand the frustration of of River fans of River players. Um look let's have a listen to what those sure. moments sounded like because whatever you say about Spanish comms like it or love it like you certainly get the emotion from uh, from the comms on the uh, on the River decisions and goals. Uh, this is the highlights of the three-nil, uh, 2-0 victory. Excuse me. <laughs> you don't want to get that one. <laughs> 2-0 victory uh, for River against uh, Palmeiras.
2: Mission impossible. Mission improbable. La gran remontada. Muchos nombres le han dado. La gente del fútbol. Los medios. Varios involucrados. En el partido de Díaz, que vieron cómo ganó Palmeiras 3 a 0. Con Borre, 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 Borre. Weberton en segunda instancia. Sigue botando el balón y no lo vio. Ahí está Nico de la Cruz que remata. Weberton. Pablo Díaz que roba el balón. Nico de la Cruz el centro. desde afuera. ¡Ser sí, Rafael con el remate que va por encima. Avisa Palmeiras en el contraataque. En este partido, también en el partido de ida, ha sido Montiel. De la Cruz. Balón cerrado. Fernandez, Parangileri, Angileri, who buscates the second palo, solo Montiel, Golazo, Derriver, Gonzalo Montiel, un pas extraordinario,
0: 3-0. Just as they are checking something, the goal has been ruled out. listening to the highlights of the game there only. Uh, listen as for the Montiel goal yeah it, it's not the decision I disagree with it's just a kind of overriding uh, macro VAR debate for the Matias Suarez one you mentioned just before that highlights clip that if you can't decide the decision needs to be made quicker obviously by VAR and I've thought since this, the introduction of this technology That it it should be that if you cannot reverse the decision within 30 seconds original call stands i I think that's probably the best way going forwards to be honest it means that massive errors are rectified in a short time period and anything that is as you say really open to interpretation it is kind of left as it is. So I believe that play should continue. VAR should be watching it. And then if, if you cannot overwrite the decision within 30 seconds, which, by the way, is enough time to look at one, two, three replays, then then original call should stand. But would it, that, By the way, it's not a penalty for me. Would, would that I
1: mean. encourage people, referees, to be rushed into a decision? in terms of if they look at it for 30 seconds and they're still not sure, but they're feeling the weight. You know, everybody, especially in a Copa Libertadores semi-final second leg, in that moment, there is a huge amount of pressure on the referee after he's studied it, though. There's more pressure on him studying it than there is on making the initial decision, I think. Because at least the initial decision, you can say, well, look, the game happens so fast. If that's the way he's seen it, it looks like there's contact. You know, Matias Suarez, you can call it gamesmanship he's won the penalty fair enough if he looks at it over and over and over again then that opens him up to even more criticism because then it's like well how can you not see this you're seeing it over and over again but if you've got then a time limit on it as well i mean it just um, we're going into a a var debate rather Mm. than a a, a couple of the semi-final discussion but it but it i think you cannot win with the technology involved i said to somebody today about The river game because he said i've just watched the highlights of it and he's not a south american football fan he's like that looked like an incredible game it's a shame that var kind of had so much controversy in it and i said yeah and what's weird is that the only thing really that var should be used for is clear-cut decisions like offside but then nobody likes it when var gives an offside decision because it's too narrow or something like that so the only clear-cut thing that var is useful for nobody likes and everything else everybody's now getting frustrated about in these sorts of moments so you just can't win i don't know if it works or not still
0: yeah, I mean, I don't want to get sucked down the VAR rabbit hole. Ollie. It's like <laughs> arguing about politics on Twitter. Like, nobody wins. It, it doesn't. It's just it's irrelevant. Um, but I would just say that when you said, oh, there's extra pressure on the officials, good. This is the Libertadores semifinals, Oli. This is the highest percentile of top-tier sport. Good. There's pressure on the players. There's pressure on the referees. There's pressure on the head coaches. That's it. If you can't make a decision within 30 seconds, you don't shouldn't be doing the job. But, yeah, um, let's park the VAR debate. Let, I mean, we've talked all about River. Let, let's oh. talk about... Palmeiras, i mean how bad were they
1: it was appalling i and i honestly can't put my finger on what really went wrong they never had a foothold in this game and i'm not sure if it was just rivers style the three the five in midfield basically with the fullbacks bombing up and down it does a great job of smothering and winning that battle in the middle of the park without leaving yourself too exposed defensively and worrying, because it puts way more pressure on River's fullbacks. and I know we're going back to River again, but on Anguilleri and Montiel to be up and down. But they are good enough and intelligent enough to be able to do that. So actually, the foothold was never there in the middle of the park for Palmeiras. They were three three center backs on all the time so it makes counter attacking far more difficult with Scarpa and Hony and uh Luis Adriano they didn't have the same amount of space in behind River defensively this time so they couldn't counter attack and i just wonder as well if you've got a 3-0 lead it's very easy to sit back you know they're they're at home sure but they're defending an advantage at the end of the day that's all they needed to do and they just about did it and i wonder if there was initially there wasn't the impetus to go forward in them and once you lose that impetus to be aggressive and you're on the back foot against the side being aggressive from the get-go you can just sit back deeper and deeper and deeper and then it gets a bit wild and erratic defensively and that's what we saw
0: it's almost that brazilian thing isn't it about just not quite committing to being the offensive side that you truly are and i think we saw a little bit of that i mean just before the game ollie i was looking at back through ronnie's history and i think we were chatting actually on whatsapp about why, why some players aren't in, why they haven't moved on and, and had decent careers in European football. Just to look at some of Ronnie's statistics from, from this tournament, you know, five goals, seven assists. That's more than Bruno Enrique had last year. And he got all the plaudits. So it was a real shame that Gustavo Scarpa and Ronnie and Luis Adriano, Gabriel Menina, all these players that we know have great quality, just didn't demonstrate it. And yes, Palmeiras are through to the final. Ultimately, that's the only thing that matters for them. But there'll be a lot of question marks and a lot of work to do on the training ground before that game against Santos, who will come into the final with a totally different perspective of how they kind of cruise through that second leg, which we'll talk about a little bit later.
1: Yeah, it's... um... It's a shame for honey as well because you last year Bruno Henrique got the plaudits, Gol got the plaudits because Flamengo pretty much from round of sixteen were very good you know they had their their worrying blip against Emelec uh, in the first knockout stage, but for the rest of the knockout competition they were they were excellent and really fun to watch and Bruno Henrique was really good in every single game and for honey the production's been there, but you have this Dour game in a really big moment when you're actually expected to, hey, we've got the advantage, play with confidence, take the initiative. You're on home soil. It just negates almost his legacy on the tournament slightly, I think, because mm-hmm. you look at it and say, yeah, well, you yeah, know, they probably should have gone out. I mean, Palmeiras should have gone out this week, yeah, if it wasn't for a couple of controversial decisions and a couple of squandered chances. They are on the receiving end of the worst ever Copa Libertadores yeah. defeat in knockout <laughs> stage history. I think I was saying to you before it. Six times teams have come back from a three-goal deficit in the Copa Libertadores. Only once has that not involved altitude in the competition's history, and it was Serra Poteno against. oh, it's escaped me now. But it was. It wasn't a, a kind of a iconic big giant side, and Cerro came back to get the victory eventually this would have been so embarrassing. In the same way we were talking about it will make Gachado the greatest manager in South American football, perhaps. It would be the biggest disaster for a giant like Palmeiras, especially after what happened last year in the domestic campaign as well, where they were flying away in the first half of the year at the top of the Brazilian table and then dropped off completely and ended up not lifting the, the title. And it would, it would give them that mentality of the bottle job, I think. Um, let's, uh, let's have a quick listen because we do have some Palmeiras audio as well. It uh, wasn't a fun really, night for Palmeiras fans. Um, Kingston Bainston of At uh, Any Palmeiras, he also runs the official Palmeiras English Twitter account as well, but this is all very much not done as a spokesman of the club. I'd like to uh, reiterate that. Um, had, uh, gave us a few quick notes on what he thought of the, uh, the semi-final second leg. Well, that
3: was quite the nightmare. But at least with a happy ending. Uh, Palmeiras, after last week having executed their game plan perfectly in Buenos Aires, uh, last night basically fell apart uh, after conceding the first goal, and it was a massacre. Palmeiras run in this year's edition of the Libertadores Cup has been good. But yesterday was a different story, which was surprising. But uh, at least the the collapse mentally happened in a game where Palmeiras had at least won the uh, first leg 3-0. So again, we're through and that's what matters. Palmeiras coach Abel Ferreira, the Portuguese, he arrived at the club on the 2nd of November last year. So this was only his 20th game at Palmeiras. And with tw- games played twice a week... Uh, It hasn't been easy for him Uh, no time for rest, a little time for training. So looking forward to the clash on the 30th. And I'd say hopefully against Boca Juniors because uh, it's always nice with foreign um, competition. I don't think Boca would be easier, but um, uh, the harder the task, the bigger the glory, right? And also... In the unlikely event that Palmeiras would not win the title, at least he won't be given to uh, a national uh, rival uh, to Santos. And uh, these are exciting times for Palmeiras.
1: What I love about that is there's so much humility at the beginning of it, of (laughs) we got away with it. I can't say anything more than it was a capitulation. At least it happened when we had a three-goal advantage after the first leg. But in the unlikely event that we don't win the final, <laughs> like <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> so <laughs> How good. quickly a football fan can turn. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting actually. The kind of the, we'd rather play Boca because it's you know better the devil you don't know than the devil that you do kind of thing. Um, that's reflected
0: but... a lot in sorry, Oli. That's reflected a lot in European football as well, isn't it? You know, clubs don't really want to play other big clubs of their own of their own country. It's just it's not really why. Uh, continental competitions there and it's just a bit too familiar and people want the excitement of playing you know ultimately it hasn't happened for them and they are going to face santos in the final but uh yeah i could see what he wanted Boca.
1: oh spoiler alert come on winter some people might be (laughs) listening to this not knowing the results at all um yeah it's but it's kind of interesting like you try and put your finger on what Palmeiras has gone wrong and and not even christian could do that you know he it was just it was a nightmare um. and it's a very relieved palmeras fan there that i think um attention now you just have to focus on going forward and look at the final you can't look back at this this is for hopefully for palmeras a freak result sure. and a freak moment against a side that produces freaky moments in the couple of dodores in river plate so um should we ever listen to joel richards yes please see what mr river plate had to say about uh his side being knocked out joel by the way who was telling me that his next door neighbors river fans were setting off fireworks last night and how quickly disappointment can turn to elation when you, something happens to your rivals uh, but let's let's see what he has to say about the uh the semi-final second leg
4: what's been interesting in argentina is how there is an, an a consensus an admiration for how river plate approached the return leg uh, against Palmeiras. In the build-up to the game in his press conference, Marcelo Gallardo, the coach, said how one result wouldn't change his approach to, to to football, wouldn't change his philosophy, and we saw that. River Plate dominated the the, the the tie home and away. Obviously, the result was disastrous in the first leg, but in the first half, they were definitely the better side, and they were certainly the better side uh, in the return leg, uh, and that includes when they were down to ten men. So. Essentially what we're talking about is probably the most competitive side in South America. I think there is pride in the way that they went about it and that they looked to turn around the result. Um, obviously the first leg, they simply left themselves too much to do in the return leg. But the fact that they were so close and, and irrespective of all the controversy over VAR and, and all the rest of it, they feel that their, their conviction for how football should be played um, is justified and was, was proved. Of course this now leaves us with what happens next. The big question is what happens with Gachardo? Does he stay on? Does he leave? Um, and just no one really has the has the answer to this. It's uh, he in his in the press conference after the game. He talked about how seeing his side playing like that dignified his profession. You get the feeling he's still enjoying the ride at River Plate. Yeah, his side was already dismantled uh, for this year. He lost Quintero. He lost Prato, He lost a number of other players. And really throughout the lines, through attack, midfield and defence, there are players who will probably leave. Nacho Fernandez, he wants to move. He wants to earn more money. Um, you've got Montiel, the right-back, who's expected to leave very soon. Borre could be, could be moving on. But what we've seen since 2014 at River Plate, under Marcelo Gachardo is that he always comes back and, and manages to, to once again create a side that competes at the very highest level in South American football.
0: Yeah, really, really interesting to hear Joel's thoughts there, Ollie, and, and they're genuinely—you're kind of joking about it before—but there genuinely isn't an English-speaking man in Buenos Aires that knows more about Marcelo Gachada and River Plate than than Joel Richards, amongst his many other talents, I should say. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it's, what he said there is it's incredible, and when you know when he was just listing off the players that river and Goshado have lost over the years and when he said many others that's not glib i mean there really are many others you know mm. uh, martinez cuarta palacios quintero he mentioned scocco prato and now you look at it enzo perez i saw linked with t- uh, move to turkey this week nacho fernandez Joel was was talking about uh, could i just talk slightly about uh, rafael santos borre as well because that's seven goals in the tournament only, just one shy of fidel martinez with eight if it wasn't for Fidel Martinez's ridiculous run in the qualification stages uh before the group stages then then Borre would be up there as the top scorer. It's only 25 Borre. I know he had a spell in Spain, I think with Villarreal and it didn't quite work. If you're a European club, I'm not saying he's going to go there and score 30 goals a season. I think that's a half decent punt for a for a bottom half of the table italian or spanish club i really do i think that's that's worth a punt i think he's a really really good player the colombian um what can you say can gashara remake this riverside again oh uh, i know joel was kind of sounding hopeful there but uh i think gashara's got to go onwards and upwards
1: have you still got the cabify app can yeah. you message message some of the taxi drivers on there see so <laughs> see what they say windsor
0: regular listeners to the uh wilson and windsor libertadores podcast
1: well one. they're the ones that are in the know according to yourself the taxi yeah. drivers are always the ones that say that he's going to see hey. out the contract to the stay
0: yeah absolutely and they've been right so far you know we are in 2021 and that's uh th- that's what they always said when we were there <laughs> in 2019 and 2020 he wasn't going to leave before 2021 so
1: i think this i think he stays I think it's really foolish because you've just had this he just game. Loves the club. You've just had this game. There's no point risking I s- where else are you going to go in Europe? I don't think there's any point in Marcelo Gachado going to a mid-table club in Europe and losing the re- reputation that he's already got. Um, Flamengo? I mean, you said that the other day and that would be insane and I just wonder again if like maybe an Argentine in Brazil if that's maybe a little too much unless he do he speak portuguese? I don't know if he speaks Ma, portuguese. I mean, I, He's probably the kind of guy that would
0: travel in his career. I'd be surprised if he doesn't.
1: But and football is a universal language, of course. Oui. But, um <laughs> I I just don't know if why would you go to Flamengo if you have a tenure at your favorite club in the world? Because
0: Because he's done everything he can at River Plate. And if he's not going to get a job at Paris Saint-Germain or Barcelona, then he's got to move somewhere. If you don't think he wants to or will take a lower European club, Flamengo are the richest side on the continent, the best supported side in South American club football. And he might think I could do two or three years there, pick up trophies with another club, enhance my reputation still further, and then take the move to Europe. I'm not sure if... You know if, if he loses two or three out of Carascal, Montiel, Borré, you're asking a huge, huge amount for him to keep working uh, working his, his magic. And I don't know, I just for me, it's an onwards and upwards thing, but um, well, we'll, yeah, only he knows.
1: We'll see. I'd love him, I think the football romantic in me would like him to stay more than anything oh,
0: else. Ollie, don't get me wrong, I'd love him to stay. The you know, the continent needs the, the most talented people that. That that they can get that South America can get its hands on, I think, because that they do go to Europe and, and now China and the MLS um, so early in terms of the players, and and uh, yeah, I'd love them to stay.
1: And it's not about not having a challenge, because now he might be at oh. one of his biggest challenges in his career. And in that case, it's like, well, can I rebuild again? That's particularly, I mean, I cannot underestimate how how good Nico de la Cruz is when he plays next to Montiel, and how much of a loss that will be. Of finding a, a fullback of similar quality, um, but talking of fullbacks because there's plenty to talk about with the fullbacks in the uh, the other semi-final as well. If you want to switch gears,
0: yeah, absolutely. Santos three, Boca juniors nil. Santos going to the final of the Copa Libertadores, and uh, I don't think you or I or many people we know would have predicted that, Oli, at the start of the tournament. Um, for me i mean if you want to dive straight into the game or
1: before i was i was thinking before we kick off
0: mm. <laughs> i know what's coming
1: the best thing about south american football was back and it was great that even in an empty stadium we and i look don't get me wrong i want people to be safe i <laughs> all of that yeah <laughs> but i love i love flares at football grounds i'm sorry Likewise. I'm not going to apologise for the visual spectacle and the, the hairs you get running up down your back, rising up. Your... I've been in grounds and I've, I've been underneath a tier of Interfans where the whole of the front row was holding flares and about three rows deep were all holding flares and it was raining ash down. And we stepped back. It's only my second time, I think. Maybe my first time at San Siro. No, second time at San Siro, sorry. And, uh, and I stepped back, looked up, just intoxicating you like you fall in love with the spectacle even more when things like that happen as long as it's all safe and everything and so for <laughs> for santos fans to be parachuting flares into just the describe ground
0: that ollie if someone hasn't seen that scene just describe that creativity so, so
1: we're watching we're watching it on on television and um you suddenly see on the touchline a flare and all the guys in the dugout are like "Geez, we you know, get rid of it we need to get the game on and you're like whoa somebody thrown that cuz it's not a huge stadium santos's ground you know sure. you could if you were outside you could probably That's lob small, a flare yeah. over the over the top um and then another one lands in the middle of the pitch and eventually after a few people are like trying to kick these flares off the camera cuts to a jet black sky and just a flare with a small parachute hanging off the back of it, just floating down towards the ground. And we saw some of the pictures of the, um, the Santos fans outside the ground before the game, and my goodness, it looked like carnage in the streets as the coach was trying to get into the ground. I mean, these are, these are some wild boys, you know. They weren't allowed fans in the stadium this year anyway because of a clash with Independiente in 2018, Libertadores, where, which basically incited a, a riot, which meant that they weren't allowed to have fans in the Copa Libertadores for their return to the competition this year (laughs) i mean we're missing out on a spectacle as long as it doesn't turn into another riot obviously but it did (laughs) just kind of give you that like it's under the lights it's a nighttime kickoff the flares are there didn't it just feel a little (laughs) bit like the lifted of old again
0: no it was absolutely great i mean just incredible ingenuity whoever's said oh we really need to get a flare into the ground but how can we <laughs> that doesn't just happen by the way like you need to think there's some kind of um yeah there's some thought process behind that to get the flare in the ground but I mean, yeah it was it was a crazy brilliant moment and you had the, the kind of chaos 30 seconds before kickoff with the flare and then ollie to be honest that was pretty much mirrored by the first 30 seconds of the match with marino hitting the post i think it was pretty much bang you know well inside the first minute and and that was that i mean from that moment onwards Santos were by far the better side. They were they were paceier, they were more fluid, they had more energy, more appetite, more bite. Just altogether far better than Boca.
1: Well, let's hear exactly how it played out in the uh, the stadium of fire that Boca <laughs> had to walk into. <laughs> Take
4: me into the fire.
2: Llego Pituca, ojo oh, con Soteldo, Soteldo, ojo oh, que fue ser hermano, el remate, ¡Oh! Contraataque que se genera por causa de eso Viene Soteldo Ahora está Felipe Jonathan ¡Soteldo! ¡Gol! ¡De Santos! Mariño Otra vez para Mariño, que se engancha. Puede ser Mariño. Pasa el medio. ¡Oh! ¡Gol! Y puede ser el final. Puede ser el que liquida a Boca. Y otra. favor ¡Oh! Eso, eso roja, sí, roja señor. directa y mucho tiene que ser
5: par- hermano. no, no, eso es criminal lo que acaba de hacer Fabra. Está. Así está Villa, ¡Ah! la encontró el arquero. Darse, ya casi vencido y, y casi.
2: esta one chopper one chopper tiene que hacer vez la one chopper en el medio está Carlitos acá fue esta 3 a 1 los Pablo remate se salvó Este otra vez con el one chopper y Boca Pedrieto del Rancho se salva
0: Santos So That was Santos 3 Boca Juniors Neil Santos uh, into the final and well, Oli, it was a thoroughly enjoyable watch uh, for Santos. I mean, it, it was fantastic. What one thing I did write down, Oli, is I was thinking of the best performances of the Libertadores in this year's tournament, right? And I've got we, we kind of touched on this in previous weeks, but I ha- I've got written down Independiente I in five, defending champions Flamengo nil, Santos four, Grêmio one, Santos. Three Boca nil and Palmeiras nil River two is maybe the four best performances in the Libertadores this year, and two of those are Santos at home. So I know we kind of differ slightly, perhaps on 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 how good they were against Gremio in the in the quarterfinals, but it was another magnificent performance, albeit Boca were terrible. Gremio
1: was away. The Santos Gremio. The,
0: the the four one was. That
1: even I stand corrected. I apologise, Windsor. Well, um, you've
0: got an awful lot right this year with your predictions so we'll, we'll let you off uh, a, well, a slow one
1: almost teed that up perfectly for my of prediction which we'll look back yeah, on in a yeah, minute yeah. um but for uh for santos it shows that they've they do have quality and the difference and i mentioned it to you last night in a whatsapp chat is the difference for me the gremio game telegram telegram sorry yeah uh <laughs> we switched it's um Santos, I still felt, were given the result against Crimea. Whereas last night, they stopped Boca. I mean, Boca didn't put up much of a fight, it seemed. But Santos was so good at taking the initiative. And for me, the key player, everyone talks about Marinho for this side. Because he's got the final product. Jefferson Soteldo. I mean, oh. wonderful okay. Venezuelan creative wizard, which we've seen when he's played in this tournament. And the goal he scores as well. Is like a great statement strike of, yeah, forget Kyo Jorge, forget Mourinho. I can do everything. I can do all of this too. I felt that he pulled the strings and was the best player on the pitch and came off early, as we mentioned in the first leg against Boca. uh, We didn't find out the reason. I don't think I didn't hear anything and didn't find anything of why he was brought off so early last week. And this week plays almost the 90 minutes, ran the show, absolutely ran the show. I mean, it's a great team performance from Santos last night. Boca didn't have a chance. They were beaten from the get go, and it was, it was pathetic, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, on Soteldo and Marino, I think they're both really good. I think they're also both half as good as they think they are. In the sense that, I mean, Marina, I honestly think, the guy thinks he's Pele. Like, you know, some of the runners for <laughs> the free kicks and he's trying all these different things. Don't get me wrong, I really like him and he's, he's pivotal for this side, but he thinks he's so good. And so Sotelder the same with that peroxide blonde hair and the swagger, furious to come off last week. And he's one of those players. came last night, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the Trust himself more than he trusts anyone else on the pitch. Give me the ball, I'll make it happen. And he was fantastic. And I think, yeah, we chatted about this um, yesterday on... Uh, last night but Kyle Jorge who is still a teenager it wasn't necessarily exceptional in the game but I wonder if he just his presence there he's got good physicality really allows Soteldo and, and Marino to 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 feed so well on either flank and I also messaged you in the game didn't I, early like five minutes in saying is this pitch really big because mm. it just Santos made it look so big and it's not that Marino and Soteldo hug the touchline necessarily but they can just peel that way and they made it look yeah, they made the pitch look really big. They made it look like Boca had 10 men. And I would argue if you start with Franco Soldano, then you are playing with 10 men. But they, they just, they completely outplayed Boca. And um, it was a magnificent result. And, and kind of the misery in semi-finals continues for Boca. And the misery in the Libertadores, really, in terms of going out at, at, deep into the tournament. Crucial stages, hmm. yeah.
1: it's um, the, the thing, the reason why I think Santos had, looked like they had so much space, particularly for Sotelo and Mourinho, was how appalling Bocca's fullbacks were mm. last night. Hara and Fabra were non-existent. I mean, Fabra has the sending off, which oh, is absolutely Jesus. disgusting. Well, it's just ridiculous, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I remember Cantona doing that. I had a very early football video when I was very young, and Cantona against Swindon in the Premier League. So this is, you know, way back. Showing your and, age, uh, A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> But I, you know, I wear it with pride. The old VHS um, tapes and the yeah, I remember <laughs> it. Twelve ninety nine at Christmas, yeah. 93, 94 season oh, it was, and uh, and Cant- Canton does this backwards stamp that's so intentional and so vicious. I, think I remember it. And Fabra does something similar. Although, as I said to you last night, like I'm not condoning it, obviously, but like Fabra doesn't... It's almost <laughs> like he half pulls out of it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to do it. But he's still seeing red that he wants to do it. I'm, I don't understand the mentality there. It, it's its horrible. Uh, Mourinho's rolling around on the deck, genuinely. Sure. You know, it's not many times we say that in <laughs> South American football, sure. I feel. Um, but Harrah as well. And this was interesting chatting with... Um, Peter Coates, or Coates, depending on how you want to say his name. But uh, he is from England, so I'm calling him Peter Coates. Um, over the last few weeks, and Buffarini, who you're a big fan of, yeah. Windsor, I know, uh, better Jeez. than Harrah. And Peter reminded us that um, Buffarini had this fallout about a contract and didn't sign a new deal. Then he gets removed from the starting eleven. And for Boca Juniors, like, are you trying to win football games or are you trying to make a point? I mean, I'm not saying Bufferini when he came on was the best player on the pitch or anything like that, but you can't let those sorts of silly disagreements um, hit you emotionally when you're trying to win something like a Copa Libertadores. And so to go out with almost an intentionally weaker side than it needs to be is mind-boggling, both for the the head the high-ups at Boca Juniors and, um, and for Miguel Angel russo as well to yeah. accept that.
0: And just on team selection, you know... You can't win the Copa Libertadores with Saldana up front. And don't get me wrong, it's not Soldana's fault that, that Bocca are out. Um, Salvio and Villa did nothing, as you said. Uh, you know, Bocca was so weak between the lines. Tevez couldn't really get a sniff. So there, there were lots of factors of why Bocca were completely outclassed and lost 3-0. But Ramon Apple has been in great form in the league. He's a better player than Soldano. Mm-hmm. I know Tevez prefers, or apparently, let's say, prefers to play with Soldano, but Miguel and russo I wonder if he's just bottled a big decision there. Because on merit, it's it, it's it's a poor one for me. Um like I said, it's certainly not the only reason the Boca lost and yeah, I mean, they haven't won it since two thousand and seven. And and the run continues despite going so deep so many years.
1: Yeah, it's the, the decision to not play Abila. And I, I supported Soldano playing the first leg because of what he did. I did in the quarterfinal second leg. I really did think that the the way he played opened up Tevez and allowed him to produce. I did feel, and again, this was down on a lot of team sheets as a 4-4-2. And this did feel like a 4-4-2 compared to what we saw in that quarterfinal second leg. Tevez didn't drop half as deep into the pocket in front of Gonzalez and Campuzano. And... When Tevez doesn't do that, and when he doesn't have Salvio and Villa further up alongside him in that pocket supporting him as an out ball, the number of times that Tevez would either collect it and have nowhere to go, or be too high up the pitch alongside Soldano, would negate the whole reason why you're yeah. playing Soldano, because you need Salvio and Villa to provide provide the the balls in from the flanks for Soldano to try and get onto. He's not been in great goal scoring form, so it's it's a wrong style of play that Bocca seemed to play last night. Wrong tactically to get the best out of Tevez and the and the two wide men. And then it's the wrong, as you say, it's the wrong centre forward. You know, at this point, you go with form. And it took too long to get Abila on, off the bench. I mean, I think it could have been a change that you make at halftime. They made two. Why not make that one? Um, they didn't. They waited too long. They waited until they were down to 10 men with Faber off. And when Abila came on, at the end of that highlights montage, you know, there's a moment where there's three or four strikes a minute and a half after Abula's on the pitch and Abula's at the heart of it he's he's distributing and laying it off for Villa's then first effort uh, then Tevez has a go then it falls back to Abula again and he sees his effort blocked and it's amazing phenomenal defending by Santos in that moment to keep it out and obviously playing with uh, Joao Paulo in between the posts in, uh, instead of John who had his uh, Covid test come back negative and he was in isolation so to have a keeper perform that well under that sort of pressure and his back line command it so well was fantastic, but Bocker have shot themselves in the foot, and yeah, I was really frustrated and annoyed by this game. Not because I want Bocker to win or anything like that, but because we had such an entertaining semi-final the previous night. Again, and last night was just yeah. a one-sided mauling. Yeah, it takes it away. It takes it away slightly. Um, then my um, the Nostradamus <laughs> in me might be a little bit. Are we going to hear disappointed that? Windsor? If, yeah, let's let's have a listen. Yeah, and it's going to be a side in Buenos Aires that wins it, and Jesus. it's going to be the blue and yellow, and it's going to be Boca.
0: It's a huge statement. Wow. There yeah. Based on what? Based on their based aside, on five
1: years of disappointment. Based on a a side that have still maintained that defensive quality that I reckon, particularly in the Bombonera, that they're, they're exceptional at home anyway. But they would be able to smother a side like Flamengo. Do you really prevent- believe this? Yeah, yeah, definitely
0: Only if like <laughs> uh, No, but I mean If someone's got a gun to your head Who's going to win the 2020 Libertadores You're saying Yeah, Boca I'm Juniors. going with Boca From what you've seen In the last 12 months You're saying no, Boca Juniors I mean, Juniors. listen they but got, yeah, they,
1: they Basically, last year They were an exceptionally good defensive side And then got undone by their local rivals Who know them better than anybody else right? Who are way better than you but they haven't had they didn't have a attacking <laughs> but bone. Are. But they didn't have an attacking bone in their body last year. And yeah, they've no, and worry. they've changed that I now. Mean, and I'm, now yeah. they have an attacking gonna, quality.
0: Yeah, so close, but yes, so far, Mr. Wilson. If you're wondering actually what the noise behind us was there, that was back in a day when we were in a, a busy pub, there was a bit of Amy Winehouse in the background, the beers were flowing, uh, beautiful kind of uh, retro
1: First of March twenty twenty yeah, yeah. that prediction. Um, First
0: heady of heady March. days, beautiful days. Listen, in many ways, Oli, you're you're right about a lot of things that like they haven't they <laughs> haven't won the Libertadores this year. But you're right about a lot of things. And I still believe. Mentioned it on the pod last week. If Boca had a Borre, a Luis Adriano, uh, a Gabi goal, like someone is a really good centre forward, then they then they would be able to complement that um, defensive solidity with, with with a proper goal scorer. Then then perhaps they would have gone one step further this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they just, they need somebody that can finish. I think there's an over-reliance perhaps on Carlos Tevez. Mm. Um, I think, you know, Salvio going into this tournament and some of his performances at the beginning were, were lauded, of course, in the group stage. But I think his performances in the latter part of this tournament have really lacked luster. And and to be honest, not to get too into the Boca Juniors politics, but again, I think there's a, there's a huge rebuilding job because Miguel Angel Russo already had this great defence. And that fell apart last night. But in general, it's been great across the board in this tournament and in league competitions as well. They're in the final sure. of the Copa Maradona coming up on the weekend. And if they if they lose that against Banfield, lowly Banfield, my goodness, heads will roll. But I think heads are going to roll anyway because you've got inferior ability at the fullback position at the moment. You've got a manager who has sat rested on his laurels slightly because... He's done nothing to improve the defense and we haven't seen enough of a change in the front line yet to make anybody think that he's making those changes and going to find the the attacking bone in this Boca Juniors body. There's Carlos Tevez can't do this forever as much as he'll want to. Um and I think there is a big rebuilding job for Riquelme as the kind of director of football sure. at Boca. It's a it's a really interesting few months or so and the tournament is about to restart in a couple of months 3 months time yeah. if they're going to restructure and rebuild it's got to happen quickly they better have their eyes on some attacking talent and some depth as well in this Boca Juniors side so, and and get themselves a, a system and i wonder if russo is going to be there to to start the tournament for them when it restarts in april
0: yeah also just a kind of uh bit of a shame that carlos tevez who scored against santos in the final in 2003 couldn't just have that kind of moment to, to to produce something in 2021 which is some gap isn't it but uh yeah should we hear from the uh our representatives only of the two football clubs uh perhaps disappointment and and delight in equal measure
1: yeah let's hear from uh francisco from the bocca in english podcast uh and start with the the frustrations shall we say for Bocker juniors fans
5: all i can say is that Boca never looked like uh, a team that was playing a semi-final of Copa Libertadores, for sure. I think it was a, a very, very strange attitude of the team. And I'm sure that it will lead to to, to lots of analysis. And I, as I said before, lots of players will have to leave the team, for sure. It's such a very, very uh, confusing night and a very heartbreaking night for Boca, definitely, because I wouldn't say that Boca was totally confident but uh, it definitely didn't look like it could end up like this despite Boca had some tough moments in the Copa Libertadores like uh, the defeats against uh, Racing and against Inter in, uh, in the both uh, knockout stages Boca will, were through before the semifinals and definitely I think that this will lead to uh massive uh, replacements of of people in the club uh definitely i wouldn't like i wouldn't say that miguel angel russo has to leave but i'm sure that it will be the the possibility will be on the table same for many players that have had lots of chances in the team lots of years um of opportunities uh, for example uh, leonardo jara and julio buffarini both right backs no one of those can uh simply take the position and get uh and earn the spot in the team something similar is happening with frank fabra who is a very offensive uh, left fullback still emmanuel Mas uh had some matches in which they possibly uh would share the position uh, instead of having uh, a definite choice that's something that that happened and i think that Boca will definitely get rid of many, many names, for sure. I think it will lead to uh, some new faces in the team. And I think that it must lead to a lot of uh, things that must be under uh, analysis within the staff of the team and the board as well.
1: So just to clarify, everything that I said before we heard that, I'd actually said to Pete, yesterday evening when we were chatting and then when you sent through the audio of francisco talk about it i was like oh i'm on the same wavelength <laughs> as the Boca fans okay all right i mean yeah sh- shell shock for Boca fans from last night's performance
0: yeah really i mean yeah it's, it's a it's, it's a it's a terrible result it's an absolute ter- especially seeing river go out the night before you know and just because, you mm. know, the, the River-Boca final, we, we were talking about that potential. But to see River go out and think, oh, wow, here's, here's such an amazing opportunity to, to reach a final and just have fun with it and face Palmeiras and without having that heavy Boca-River thing kind of hang over them. Yeah, it, it's a massive rebuilding job, Oli. Miguel Angel Russo, I, I mean, I'm not sure he's really done enough to warrant keeping his job. I mean, can you think of anyone that... There's so many coaches that would want the job. It's, it's Boca juniors, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see what Boca do next.
1: Becca Sese... Uh,
0: that's the name I was popped into my
1: head, yeah. ...is is one that's kind of cropped up for a lot of jobs, to be honest. Um, There's been quite a few departures. San Lorenzo have just uh, parted ways with their manager. Uh, obviously, Racing Club with Becca Sese. There's been a couple of other key managerial changes or removals, at least, in, in Argentinian football in the last week or so. So... Becca is probably one of the more exciting managers just because he's young. You know, I, was, I think I said to you last night, and again, I don't want to be quoting WhatsApp stuff back to everybody, but you look at the Argentinian managers that we've seen in the knockout stages, particularly um, when you look at Russo Gachado and Becca Sese, and Russo looks really smart, but in like a. Uh, you know an older gentleman smart you know everything works well together and maybe no tie but you know just looks like his chinos and jacket works then you've got gashardo that comes out in the all black black shirt black suit and looks smooth and like slightly younger than russo a bit more kind of swagger about him but still like slick from his era and then becca sese is trying like the flannel suit with the with the espadrilles taking and gambles stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and he's the young, like, hipster's choice of young managers suddenly in Argentina, and he's showing it with his style on and off the pitch with his ponytail as well. So, but they played wrestling at times, played good, exciting, attacking football. And that's what Boca need to play, or at least to get fans maybe back on side. But the internal workings of Argentinian football clubs are something far grander, I think, than I can really get my head around and all the political implications that will go on with the decisions that get made. But yeah, it will be. It's interesting for both the big sides from Buenos Aires, or the two of the biggest sides. There's a lot of sides, obviously, in Buenos Aires. Very interesting in their futures and how the restructure builds in a short amount of time. Really,
0: mm. it's all about Santos, though, Oli.
1: It is all about Santos, and uh, we, hear from we, uh, the, we the heard man. from a very happy man, Pedro Anthony, who uh, runs the Santos FC underscore Ingles account. Um, yeah, pretty pleased to punch this guy.
6: Boys, I am absolutely buzzing after that. When I thought it was a very complete, complete performance from the team defensively, I think we were excellent. Ferrisimo, Luan were huge. Obviously, Joao Paulo comes in for the COVID struck um, Jean does a fantastic job as he's been doing all season it's such a privilege to have two excellent keepers i think we got maybe a, just a bit of luck on that first goal um but oh how about soteldo's goal that was just magnificent and then obviously luca Bra lucas braga makes it 3-0 um just very complete complete performance kyle george was not bad either he was deployed a bit more tactically, and but he still had his chances that he didn't finish. Um, but I think an overall a very good game from him as well. I think Boca still have a higher gear to shift into, um, even though we didn't see it tonight. I think the early goal took some of the wind out of their sails, um, and I think uh, when they got the red card, um, I think that really finished finish the job and and even though i you know it's just saying that now they got some of their best looks with with 10 men absolutely ecstatic to be in the final um was not expecting this at the beginning of the season to be completely honest um i think we're the underdogs but i think it's going to be a fantastic match and i'm really looking forward to it uh thanks again for having me on guys
0: always a pleasure um yeah it's great to see a football fan as he says absolutely buzzing with the result look god I mean, if you're a santos fan as i said you could never have predicted to get into the final of the libertadores even though they've won it multiple times in, in their history so yeah it's great and the debate over kyle Jorge's name is interesting ollie because i've had portuguese and brazilians uh, pronounce it to me uh, numerous ways Jorge or is it just george so i don't know that's 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 one that will tick i think might have to find out from the man himself because i've heard from, from numerous different sources different ways
1: uh i think as long as you ensure you say co george or co george and you don't just leave it as the singular because that's sure, the one that's always the
0: ending of george <laughs> no, or but george.
1: like Either one's acceptable, okay. but the, the one that always flummoxes me is when you get Brazilian players that have one name that you only say, you know, Alisson, for instance, Marina. or you get a Douglas Costa, who you need to say... You can't say just Costa. It's got to be a Douglas Costa mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, that's that's the the trickiest thing, and the dropping of the R's and things like that when we get into <laughs> the pronunciations of Brazilian football names. I mean, Jorge and George, either one I think you get away with. I always think, though, it might be George because we had Jorge Jesus, and that was... I oh, know that was Jorge Jesus wasn't Jorge. it. Yeah, yeah, Sorry yeah yeah. Yeah so Jorge. Yeah Jorge it should be Jorge.
0: Yeah but yeah I mean I've been yeah. Up heard. Yeah I don't know if you do Anyway all of this uh, is <laughs> well it's the Santos just, Yeah yeah go for it Oli.
1: Just one last thing uh Joao Paulo between the posts has played once in 12 games and then comes in for the Clasico against Sao Paulo on the weekend. And then the couple of the semi final second leg and keeps two clean sheets very that is yeah a guy completely out of form, his last appearance before last weekend was a four one thumping that Flamengo handed to them This isn't a keeper that was reeking of form coming into this and put up an absolutely stellar performance
0: and what about Lucas Verissimo by the way, took a massive head injury. well. There was absolutely he took a head injury where blood was kind of streaming off his off his forehead. Um, you know, whether that's more of a visual than actual any damage, you'd like to think so because he, he got a kind of a swimming cap put on his head and then he carried on, even though he's walking off at half time, he's still with kind of blood uh streaming Coming down. So out from kind under of the a Terry cap, butcher esque yeah. look. But I mean, he's good. <laughs> Pedro told us he's good and he's good,
1: yeah, he's an absolute unit. And he and Luan Perez were just brave. I think you'd say a lot of the defending last night was brave in certain moments. You know, Boca at 3-0, Boca just, in, to their credit, they still fought. You know, as I say, Abila came on and they, they still tried to create chances. But the two centre-backs in particular, I thought were excellent yesterday evening in front of their keeper. And they had to be because you don't know what you're going to get with a keeper that's been out of form. Yes, he has a clean sheet on the weekend in the Clasico, but you, you're you always a little bit unsure um, looking at that. i it's going to be really exciting in terms of which Santos side turned up, which Palmeiras side turned up, because we've seen Jekyll and High performances from both. So uh, just before we leave this, by the way, a couple of fun takeaways from this. Go for it. Uh, the first one is Russo has taken full responsibility in his press conference. He says, they're my boys. I take full responsibility, which is like signing your own death wish, I feel, in South American football. It's, if you take the responsibility, there's, he's probably going to be going. I mean... Uh, the other one and more responsibility needs to be put on this head to be honest if I'm a boca fan is uh is a man who is probably the most influential person around the club it's the boca tarot card reader who because he he's made headlines in argentina for getting it wrong and he's been forced to turn his twitter account to private after <laughs> predicting that boca would go through to the uh, the final of the Copa Libertadores. And
0: by the way, when Ollie says the Boca Tarot card reader, you might think that's some really obscure thing. He's got seven followers on Twitter. No, no, no. This is like a big <laughs> deal in South America. I remember when I was first in Argentina and I turned on the telly and I saw a Tarot reader getting like pri. This was like 7, 8 p.m. on a sports show. It's like Sky Sports News, a regular feature of someone that kind of reads the Tarot cards. And hey, who am I to judge Ollie? Because there could be someone seeing a greater a greater kind of things than myself but uh yeah pretty pretty uh obscure we'll we'll leave
1: walter walter laver is the (laughs) man if you want to try and find him on twitter as i say his account's private but um yeah he he has apologized for getting it wrong he he read the stars incorrectly apparently
0: (laughs) we'll we'll leave the big um the big in-depth preview of the final for for a few days before that takes place on the 30th of january at the American Art and it is actually it's a Palmeiras Santos final Palmeiras is the the kind of higher seeded team from from the group stages will
1: number one seed
0: yeah Yeah. will be the home side just just very quick thoughts on it
1: it's bad for football Uh, and I don't mean that in like an overly dramatic way Mm -hmm. I think it's actually really a negative thing for in theory the spectacle but also for South American football because brazilian football is making this change the financial gains in brazilian football are so different you don't want it to become all brazil and all argentina and stay that way as it kind of has done for the last few years you definitely don't want it to become the argentinian sides fall behind and we start getting into predictable of the big sides with money in brazil start going through i also think as we kind of touched on earlier and um as uh, as christian kind of spoke about and he would rather see Boca against Palmeiras I think everybody wants to see that I think it's more of a spectacle when you've got teams in a final from two different nations I think it makes it more enjoyable you get a coming together of two very different footballing fan bases it makes it and it makes it more interesting to watch because they don't know each other as, as well as teams that you play domestically week in week out in these hundreds of domestic competitions that they have both in Brazil and Argentina so I, I think it's genuinely in the long term a bit of a disappointment for the growth of South American football I think Though, if these two sides play to their best, it could be an absolutely fantastic watch.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with you. I think it's a totally fair point to say that, and I think that to say that two clubs from the same nation makes for, on the face of it, a less intriguing contest. I think that's not just true of South American football only; that's in Europe as well. If you if you have a Champions mm. League final, I do remember the the Bayern Munich Dortmund final was pretty good in recent memory. But but generally speaking, you don't want to see it. They don't usually create greater. Uh, contest for the neutral just that familiarity breeds contempt maybe but uh mm. yeah listen ollie we're going to do an in-depth pod aren't we and, and really sort of pick it apart uh, just before the final but uh we'll
1: we you got the game tape backed up on the hard drive to review and re-watch all the knockout games for each side ollie
0: studiously i will be uh we'll be going through it all and we can uh <laughs> we can pick it apart in in due course well no one would have called a palmera santos final I don't think, but here we are
1: Big thanks for joining us as always on the podcast. Big thank you to all four of our guests who uh, provided audio and insight into all of four of the semi finalists. Christian Benston, you can find it at any palmeras on Twitter. That's at any palmeras, and of course follow his good work on the palmeras english twitter account Uh, joel richards you can find on twitter at joel underscore richards that's at joel underscore richards big thank you as well to pedro anthony at santos fc underscore ingles that's at santos fc underscore ingles and francisco Aure of the bocker english podcast at francisco a u r e that's at francisco a u r e and once again A big apology if I've butchered your name there, Francisco. So the Copa Libertadores final is set and we will bring you a full in-depth look into the final of Santos against Palmeiras in the coming weeks before kickoff, of course, at the Maracanã. In the meantime, you can follow myself O underscore J underscore Wilson on Twitter. That's O underscore J underscore Wilson at David T. Windsor is Dave. So that's at David T. Windsor. And I tell you what, you should get onto that. You cannot miss his Twitter feed. It's so full of excitement and insight into the game. And of course, you can fire us an email as well. It's willwinpod at gmail.com. That's willwinpod at gmail.com. W-I-L-W-I-N pod at Gmail. Com. In the meantime, take care. Enjoy the Sudamericana semi-finals if you're watching them. One of those is on Saturday, of course. And we'll be back in a week or so's time with a look ahead to the Copa Libertadores Final 2020. Stroke 20.